0: Section thirty four of a Fair Mystery This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section thirty four I Must Tell You My Secret. Earl Moray was dreadfully puzzled. Into the threads of his life a mighty, passionate, wonderful love had been woven but there had been nothing of mystery. It had been a beautiful life, full of love and dreams and poetry, but it had all been open to the eye and pleasant to read. He held something in his hands now that puzzled him—a letter, written on thick satin-wove paper, a letter asking him if he would be at the gate leading to Quainton Woods at noon to-morrow, there to meet someone who wanted his aid. It was a strange request. If anyone wanted his aid, why did the person not seek him in his own home? Why desire to meet him in Quainton Woods? Then, what could he do to help anyone? Of what avail was he? He was not wise enough to give advice. If money were needed, he would do his best, certainly, but he could do little. Then another thing puzzled him. The letter was evidently written by a lady. Certainly the hand was disguised, but it was clear and elegant. What lady could wish to see him? Not Matty, for he had spent the whole of yesterday at the farm. He knew no one else, save Doris his face grew hot then cold as he thought of her could it concern doris in any way this strange letter had she grown weary of being without him had she sent him a letter or token did she wish to see him he tormented himself with doubts hopes and fears but resolved to go he was getting quite strong now he was able to travel he had taken care of himself and those who did not know his motive wondered that he recovered so quickly he had never swerved from his resolution to go in search of his lost love perhaps the saddest sight of all to him was the quantity of manuscript lying unfinished in his room copies of the poems he had been engaged upon when his life was so suddenly taken from him the great work that was to have secured for him immortality he sighed when he looked at it but he had never once attempted to continue it if in time to come he found doris and won her for his own again then the golden dreams of fame and immortality would return to him until then they were like his hopes dead he had to control his impatience as best he could until noon of the day following then he went quickly to the appointed place an idea occurred to him that the letter might be a hoax although on looking round on his circle of friends he knew no one who would be likely to pay any jest with him as he drew near the gate that led to Quainton woods he saw that it was no jest for walking down the woodland glade pausing occasionally to look from left to right was the figure of a tall stately lady whose face was closely veiled his heart beat so quickly he could hardly endure the rapid pulsation, but it was not Doris. This lady was taller, of a more stately presence than his golden-haired love. Still, it might be someone whom she had sent to him. He raised his hat and walked bareheaded to where the lady stood. The wind lifted the fair hair from his noble brow and freshened the spiritual, handsome face. As he bent before her, the lady stood quite still and looked at him long. "'You are Earl Moray, gentleman and poet,' she said, in a voice of marvellous sweetness. "'I recognise you from a description I once heard given of you.' "'I am Earl Moray,' he said, and still the lady looked as though she would fain read every thought. Then, with a deep sigh, she held out her hand to him. "'I can trust you,' she said. "'I have but little skill, perhaps, in reading faces. "'I made a great mistake once, when I tried, yet I can read yours.' truth honor loyalty are all there nature never yet wrote falsely on a face such as yours i will trust you with that which is dearer to me than my life then they walked side by side in silence until they reached a broad shady walk which was darkened by the large spreading boughs of the trees earl wondering who she was marvelling at the rich silken velvet she wore at the dainty grace of the gloved hand and the proud yet graceful beauty and the sweet voice who was she—some one who trusted him, and who should find out that he was to be trusted even to the very depths? Then the lady turned to him. "'I know it is an idle question,' she said, "'but I ask it for form's sake. Will you keep true and sacred the trust I am going to place in you?' "'Until death,' he replied. "'I promise it.' "'Now tell me,' she said, "'I have a right to ask the question, as you will learn. You were betrothed to Doris, who was known as Doris Brace.' yes he replied in a low voice i was would you mind telling me whether that engagement still exists his face quivered with pain as he turned to her i cannot answer you he said i do not know to me it exists solemnly and sacredly i do not know what doris thinks her voice was wonderfully soft and gentle as she continued i know that i am paining you i am sorry for it was there any quarrel between you when you parted no he replied there was no quarrel how was it she asked gently do not fear to tell me i do not know i was not good enough for her perhaps not bright and eloquent enough perhaps i loved her too dearly she was the life of my life she may have got tired of my mad passionate love god only knows she left me how did she leave you persisted the sweet pitiless voice i left her one day believing she loved me that in a very short time she would be my wife i returned the next and she had gone away leaving a letter for me what did the letter say it said she could never marry me that the quiet life and quiet ways would not suit her that she had resolved to leave them she was going abroad to teach some little children and she prayed me never to find her for she would never return he drew his breath with a hard painful gasp as he finished the words "'I shall find her,' he added, with quiet force. "'She promised to be my wife, and in the sight of just God she is mine. "'I will never rest until I have found her. "'Life of my life, the very heart of me, she shall not escape me.' "'Then she left you, and broke her promise without any sensible reason whatever?' "'If you will have the truth,' he replied, "'yes, she did so.' "'Faithless and debonair,' murmured the lady, "'like all of her race.' she is young said earle in a quick excuse and very beautiful perhaps in the years to come she may have more sense and will be sorry for what she has done all the sorrow in the world could not undo the wrong she has done you said the lady i would forgive her said earle she could do no wrong so great but that i could pardon her you are true and noble you are of the kind whom women torture and kill tell me have you no idea where she is i have not the faintest he replied I cannot tell even in what quarter of the world she is, but I have confidence in my own will. I shall find her. Suppose, said the lady, that you succeed, that you find her, and that she is unwilling to marry you. What shall you do then? His face darkened, a new expression such as she had never seen came over it. That is between heaven and myself, he replied. Until I am tried and tempted, I cannot tell you what I should do you would not harm her she cried laying her hand on his arm harm her hurt doris oh no how could i harm her she is the life of my life heart of my heart how could i harm her that is well i am weak and easily frightened i have lived for nearly twenty years in one long dream of terror i was a girl of eighteen when my fear began i am a woman of thirty-eight now and i have never known one moment's cessation of fear do you pity me "'With all my heart,' said Earl. "'After twenty years,' she continued, "'I stand face to face with the realisation of my fear. "'The dream that has haunted me has come true. "'The sword has fallen. "'I have to answer for my girlish folly and sin "'a thousand times greater than Doris.' "'Then between them for some minutes "'there fell perfect unbroken silence. "'Again the lady broke it. "'I am in sore need,' she said, "'and I want a friend. "'I have sought you because you love Doris.' "'Wondering more and more, he answered that he would do anything on earth to help her. "'I feel sure you would,' she said. "'Then, throwing back her veil, she said, "'Do you know me?' "'He looked at her. No, he did not know her. "'He thought to himself that he could never have forgotten such a face if he had seen it before. "'I am Lady Estella Hereford,' she continued, "'the only daughter of the Duke of Downsbury. "'He was not surprised. "'He would have not felt surprised if she had told him she was the Queen of England.' "'Lady Estella Hereford,' he murmured, "'but what is it possible that I can do to help you?' "'You wonder that I, a daughter of a mighty duke, "'should be driven to seek aid,' she said. "'Oh, believe me, there is no one in all England "'who needs it more than I do. "'Tell me, Earl Moray, Gentleman and Poet, "'I like the title. "'Tell me, have you ever heard me discussed, spoken of?' "'Yes,' he replied, frankly, "'many times.' "'Tell me how people speak of me,' she asked. "'I know what your answer will be. It will not pain me.' "'I have always heard your beauty praised,' said Earl, "'that you were accomplished and beautiful, "'but that you were one of the proudest ladies in the land.' "'It is true,' she said, "'the time was when no girl in England was prouder than I.' He looked at the pale, high-bred face. "'It was natural,' he said simply. "'You had everything to make you so.' and now she continued the proudest woman in england lady estella hereford is here by stealth asking that aid from a stranger which no one else can give to her life is full of strange phases said Earl. but lady hereford what is it that you think i can do for you i must tell you my secret first she said before you can understand nay he interrupted generously i need not understand if there's anything in the world that i can do for you you have but to command me i will be blind deaf mute in your service there is no need for me to understand you are very good i feel your delicacy she said you are loyal and noble but i must tell you my secret and my story is not a short one i am tired can i rest while i tell it to you in less time than it took for her to ask the question he had cleared away the creeping moss and trailing leaves from the fallen trunk of a tree it is a rude resting-place he said but lady estella seemed grateful enough for it she drew aside the rich silken velvet sit down by my side she said gently he would have remained at a distance but with a little graceful gesture as of one used to command she called him to her sit down here she said and he had no resource but to obey her then again she was silent for some minutes her face wore a dreamy musing expression what a strange fate she said after keeping my secret for all these years after guarding it jealously as my life after sacrificing only heaven knows what to it i tell it to you to you young loyal true-hearted you who love doris there is a terrible irony after all in fate end of section thirty four